Time to get back to sports school with the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. Class in session with uh, Blankers and Brenham. 713-780-3776. Can't you get him at training camp and tell him to tighten up his act? Yeah, but he didn't like my joke that I said to him yesterday, so I think I might let him, you know. I might leave him alone for the next week or so. Uh, three seven two six. Let let him let him cool down. Uh, three seven two six. Please let him go to the Rangers so we can touch him up in the playoffs. Ha ha. That's good. One. Uh, let's go out to the HRP listener line. Mario, you're in the hive with the Killer Bees. What's up, Mario? Hey, how we doing today, guys? Doing Great. good. Uh, hey, man, I want to get into this whole uh, JV talk conversation, man, because I feel like, I mean, yeah, you know, he walked away. We offered him a twenty five million. He wanted forty three. If we could get him down to 32, 30, you know, 30, 32 from a lot lesser deal, why not do it? We know we have injuries. Why not go for it? And a lot of our injuries, too, I, I believe that a lot of those players that are injured, they did play in the WBC, which we're not really discussing. Them. Yeah. Maybe that's, you know, that's a lot of workload between the World Series victory and the, the postseason run and the WC. That's why we got the injuries we got. So we got to pull the trigger on them. Appreciate it, Mario. Look, I think it comes every inning that you throw comes into play. And Blankers have I we've talked about this a lot about the WBC. Like WBC is a lot different than spring training, even if you're throwing the same amount of pitches and the same amount of innings, because you're talking about the stakes and the leverage of the situation. You're throwing an inning in West Palm Beach against the St. Louis Cardinals backup players when you're working on stuff. You're you're spotting up the changeup. You don't care if it gets hit. Uh, you're tinkering with the curveball. You don't care if it gets hit. It's much different than it's much different than pitching for country trying to get real hitters out, and you're not working on things. You're trying to spot up a fastball on the outside corner. You're really attacking hitters. It's much, much different. It's a great point, uh, Mario. Well, uh, Jeremy, it's essentially what it is is high-leverage situations at a, t- at a time when you're not used to high-leverage situations. Which is why I don't matter for the – I don't mind it for the hitters. Like, for the hitters, I think it's, it's good. Great. I think it's good. Yeah. But for a pitcher, I think it's – I think it damages a pitcher, honestly. We talked about it even from a Ryan Presley standpoint, and he did actually participate. And thank good, but early on, he had some tired arm situ, you know, situations that were arising, some issues, because he had to get ready too quickly. He had to ramp it up a lot quicker than he was used to. And then on top of that, and everybody will tell you the same thing, there's one thing to say you threw 90 pitches, but if you threw 90 pitches and the last 10 to 15 or there were two or three different situations where you were in high leverage – that's almost like a pitch and a half to two pitches. It's, it takes that much extra toll on your arm and your entire body when you're getting through those situations. And there were a lot of high-leverage situations at a time when most pitchers aren't even thinking about a high-leverage situation. They're just trying to get their arm right, their mechanics right, and work on a pitch or two before they start throwing in more meaningful yeah. ball games. Yeah, I think that there is some correlation to injuries in WBC or just effectiveness, quite frankly. Uh, I think it's a fair point. Now... So Mario's first point in the conversation we having about we're having about Justin Verlander, and I think that it whatever your degree of desire is to bring Justin Verlander back, I think most people like if you're a yes, bring Justin Verlander back. There's varying degrees of like urgency to bring Verlander back on a scale of one to ten. I think most people from like one to eight want the Mets to retain some of the salary. So I think that that's going to be like I think there's so many things in play here. One, the demand of Justin Verlander for the entire market, which I think will be high because, like Joe said, he's probably going to be the best starting pitcher that's traded at the deadline. Secondly, what does Justin Verlander want to do? Because Justin Verlander has a full no-trade clause. He'd be like, no, I don't want to go to Texas. Sorry. Uh, and some, a lot of the Texters right now are saying that if Justin Verlander accepts a deal to the Texas Rangers, that, that Justin Verlander is dead to them. 
which I understand. Like, you think Justin Verlander's an Astro. Uh, we had a gentleman's agreement that, look, we're not going to pay you this much money. You go get your money, but don't go to a rival type of thing. And now you're accepting a trade to a rival when they lead you in the division. It's a good guy that's turned hill on you, and now he's a bad guy. So I understand that logic, too, of like, okay, well, how much, what is Justin Verlander's desire to go to the Astros, to the Rangers, to the Giants, some of these other teams around baseball, and then what the prospect price is. So there's so many variables about Verlander. It's what makes it a good discussion. What does Verlander want to do? What is the price of the prospect? And then you have to worry about this very, very high salary at $43.3 million. Let's also take into consideration when Joe was making the point about the best starting pitcher on the market. The other one that he also mentioned that also happens to be on, his, on Verlander's team is Scherzer. When you start talking about those two guys and both have no trades, the biggest thing that you have to remember, too, is that why we said Verlander is also a positive for the Astros is he could absolutely curtail all the other offers and just say it's either Houston or I'm staying. I'm not taking anything from anybody else. And that makes a difference. The reason why I bring that up is because on the flip side, people forget Max Scherzer was on the market a couple of years ago. And Max Scherzer went to the Dodgers and completely ruled out the Astros. And he did it rather quickly and said he didn't want to pitch in Houston. And then wanted to be on the West Coast. And then wanted to be on one of those teams like the Padres or the Dodgers. But then when he was a free agent, he was looking at either New York, he was looking at East Coast or West Coast. He wasn't looking at and seems like he has zero interest in the Houston Astros. So you avoid all of that and trying to figure that out and doing the intel and seeing if there was a way that he would you know, consider it. And then you got to kiss his ass. As opposed to, if you know it, Verlander is going to narrow it down. He had a great run here. He had great results here. He knows it. He liked it. He could do it again. And you don't have to deal with all that BS. Triple zero two. Wait a second. Branham gives a very compelling argument for Verlander. And at the same time says, I don't want Verlander. Do you mean the Verlander price tag? A man who talks out of both sides of his mouth deserves to have it shut permanently. Uh, I don't want Verlander at $43.3 million. It's going to take some sort of retainment from the New York Mets for me to trade for Justin Verlander. Just like I didn't want Verlander at 43.3 in the offseason, I still don't want Justin Verlander at 43.3. They either they're taking back Montero, they're keeping a percentage of that salary to bring down that total price. So my opinion's been the same. Um, now, what you're looking at with your pitching staff on July 28th, again, much different than what you're looking at with your pitching staff over the winter. So it makes the decision different now than it was then. Like, let's not be closed-minded. Uh, 6186 brings up a really good point here, Blankers. If you do go back to a six-man rotation next year, which I'm, I'm a proponent of the six-man. I think you're a proponent of the six-man as well. I think it helps the pitching staff, the starting rotation. I think it helps the bullpen, uh, even with one less guy. He says, then you're talking about JV not meeting the 140 innings for the option for the third year so you can get out of that. It's a great point. Six-man rotation, point. pitching every sixth game as opposed to every fifth game. You can kind of manipulate it a little bit where Justin Verlander's max no. 130 innings. It's also, Jeremy, on the flip side, because that did cross my mind when we were talking about earlier, but on the flip side, we also realize this is the same Justin Verlander that was able to go in and tell management, I'm done doing that now. I'm done doing the six-man. <laughs> I need to get back to the, to the five-man, and I want to up my pitch count. So... Understand that you're still dealing with the, the monster ego and demands of a Justin Verlander, too. It's all fun in theory to think the six-man's going to be everybody on board the whole season. JV's not that type of guy sometimes. That's that's a good point. It is a good point. Uh, double zero, double six, Ranger fan pages are basically saying he's trash and not worth it. I'm sure their general manager, Chris Young, does not care about the opinion of their fans. But there you go. Send that to Justin Verlander. Send Justin Verlander the Texas Rangers fan pages that are saying that he's trash and not worth it. That way that Justin Verlander, when the Rangers give a better prospect package than the Astros, because they can and they're willing to, I think, 
that Justin Verlander sees all the fans bashing him. He's like, no, no, I'm not going to South Oklahoma. I want to live in Texas. There's one part of Justin Verlander coming back to the Astros that we haven't touched on yet. I'm surprised by. Let's go. It means more Marty Maldonado. Somebody texted that. We yeah, said okay. that. We said that. You're not no. listening to the beast. You got a lot of other things. I'm who said it. He's wearing a different hat over there. I'm, just, I'm, 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 I'm behind on who said it. Andrew's in play. Mapes is in play. What? Wait, wait, wait. wait. Time out. You get to change the rules again. No, look at this. It's Bush not my fault. Stuff. People just quit. So Bush. League- <laughs> <laughs> oh, he just he played the ultimate trump card, and he's not wrong. I detect no lies. Well played, sir. I got people quitting. <laughs> I got people on vacation time. I got to change the rules. Uh, well said. That's well said. I, I, you go have a counter a, for that? I don't have a counter for that. Yeah, Joe, go, <laughs> I got an answer for you. Go start a website. Oh, yeah, I don't, yeah. It's funny, but I don't think it's much of a counter to All the right, argument well. here. <laughs> Joe played the ultimate Trump card. Now, the Maldi conversations. And, you Trump know what card. else? You know what else this means, though? But people might be more open to the idea this year than last year. Personal center fielder Mauricio oh, Dubon is go. back. Mauricio Dubon, personal center fielder to Justin Verlander, is back in the lineup in center field every sixth game. People, Astro fans would swallow that more now than they did last year, though. They hated that last except, year. No, except for when it still means Chaz isn't playing. Like It'd be like Jake oh, well, Myers well, left. You could move Chaz Dubon left. in center. Yeah, but we know how Dusty Check. works. Yeah, Dusty wouldn't do that. Yeah. Uh, six one four six. But yeah, Dubon would play more. He plays center field because you know you know what Dubon was his personal center fielder. He's got to have the ability to throw out a runner from first That's and right. trying to stretch it to third. <laughs> the crazy thing his, it was it was all about his arm. Dusty, look, I don't want to get into a dusty wormhole here. Dusty's like what he does from like a from a game management point of view. His substitutions, his his orders, his his lineups. Like I don't really even care about that. Like, like, they're goofy. Some of them are weird. I wouldn't care about it as much, but his explanation for things oftentimes make no sense. Now, he doesn't care what the media thinks, right. and I kind of I kind of admire him for that, but it's the explanations to the silly things that I think causes the ire from Astro it's, fans that don't like Dusty. It's part of the reason I always say it comes from Pawpaw's belly. When he gets a gut feeling, he doesn't have to explain it. He probably can't, and he doesn't, he, and he doesn't care what you think. It's what he feels and he knows, and he's going to be the guy to let you know he has the ability and the control to do what he wants, and he does. And so he continues to do these kind of things. But the one thing we kept echoing over and over again, as much as we pointed these things out in the regular season a year ago until you went to rehab and turned over a new leaf, the biggest thing what we always said was as long as he doesn't do it in the playoffs. As long as when the playoffs roll around, all the tinkering and the, the experimental stuff are out the window and you stick to the smart decisions, and the baseball moves. He did that a year ago. He won a World Series, and that's why as much as we can nitpick the regular season, we feel good that come playoff time, this is the right guy to yep. make the right move. Makes the right decision in the playoffs. Eight eight seven five. I think Verlater's ego will push him to the Rangers. He wants to mimic Nolan Ryan. Do you get that feel at all, that he wants to mimic Nolan? I think he no. looked up to I don't either. and he idolized Nolan Ryan Healthy respect. Up, but I don't think he, he wants – it's not like a, a Kobe trying to talk and, and have the mannerisms do everything Michael did. Yeah, but it'd be like Kobe going to the – Bulls late in his career. It's not, it's not like that. Like Kobe, yeah, but even if it was, like to join the team that his like l- like his idol played for. Like, I, 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 don't, yeah, I don't. Not that kind of guy. And Justin's legacy is already set in stone. Justin doesn't have to. Nor do I. Do I ever get the inclination he wants to be a guy that's going to be following Nolan's footsteps? Literally. Yeah, I don't either. I don't. He, you know, just numbers alone and the kind of pitchers that they are. That's what he's talking about when he idolized Nolan Ryan. That's right. what he wants to do. Yeah. I, I'm curious, like, who else is going to call and who he would, who JV would say no to. Dodgers will call. 
And that's one of the teams I wonder if you would say no to. I don't to. think you would. But the Dodgers Hollywood? may have reservations because they're going to chase Otani. Yeah. And like the thing with Mark like Mark Fonzan's story from MLE.com is he, he you know he talks about in there how Justin Verlander had showed no interest in the Rangers. Uh-huh. But they had six straight losing seasons. This is a different team. They're, they're a playoff they're, team now. So like I don't think that saying no in the offseason means saying no now necessarily. I, I don't think I those are correlated. Things change. Yeah. Like, like we're just talking about the Verlander decision from the Astros in the offseason is different than the Astros decision right now at the trade deadline. You can use that same argument for the Rangers, a team who weren't a playoff team in the offseason, but now they're two games up in the American League West. Like, can I ask you guys a question? Of course. Does he say no to the Yankees? See, I think he would say no to the Yankees because it's almost the inverse of the Rangers. Do you have a better chance to win a World Series this season with the Rangers or the Yankees? But you don't have to move. You stay in New York. Nothing, nothing changes other than your clubhouse. And you, you get a chance to play for a team with a better chance to get in the playoffs. Now, I don't know how far they go. Yeah, they're a better chance for I don't sure. know if he's okay shaving off the stash. But I do realize, the same way when he has a comfort level coming back to Houston, at least from the standpoint of not having to uproot the family. You know what, though? You know who I think says no in that trade? Steve Cohen. Yeah, oh, I think, that's a good I point. I think Steve Cohen, owner of the Mets, I'm not helping the Yankees. Yeah, he, he's constantly trying to one-up the Yankees. It's a good point. I the, think that's the one guy that's like, no, for sure. Now, Verlander's decision, I don't know. But I, I'm pretty sure that Steve Cohen would even entertain the idea of trading a Met to the Yankees. At one point in time in the offseason, the betting favorite to sign Justin Verlander was the Los Angeles Angels. <sighs> that is true. Could they go like Well, now all? that they got Giolito. Sure. And now Verlander also has club control. Verlander, Giolito, Otani, go yeah, all now, the way in. That's the thing. You, you also, just like the Dodgers, but in a different way, you're trying to retain Otani. And you've got a bunch of contracts already that you're overpaying. I don't think money will be the obstacle. I, I don't, I don't think, think the money would be ob- the yeah, obstacle for the Angels. I, I think they'll be okay money-wise. I do, too. It's just going to be about Otani's decision. Uh, Galveston Mario, you were willing to pay JV 25 to 30 a year, which five seven mil more if you're trying to get back to the World Series. This is like with a salary retain, uh, retaining salary. Uh, granted, JV wanted to leave. He didn't want to be the ace anymore and win another title, but if we get him at a discount of $43 million, then why not? That's kind of where I stand. And then triple zero two. if Erlander goes to the Rangers, he's dead to me and everyone else. Froggy Cole thing was A.J. Hinch not selecting the pitch in the game, deciding World Series. Who would be more hated if, Verla- if Verlander accepted a trade to the Rangers? Would he be more hated than Garrett Cole being a representative of himself and going to the New York Yankees? That's a good question. Yeah. Um, Let's save it for when he joins the Rangers. 713-780-ESPN. The HRP listener, if he joins the Rangers. Uh, Branham was out of camp today. Pick six in the extra point. What did Branham learn at camp today? Skiller Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Most bees make honey. These killer bees make great sports insights, but they also make honey. Don't ask about the process. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's Joel and Jeremy. You can't do that. Uh, killer bees back with you. One more from Austin before we move on. Hypothetically, would you rather have Paul Skeens or Verlander becoming a rental for the Astros this year? Now, Verlander shows money. Like, Verlander shows a deal. So let's give Verlander his real contract. Would you rather have Skeens or Verlander? Hypothetical. Ver- Verlander. Yeah, Verlander. I'd rather have Skeens. Well, for this year or? Well, this year, Skeens wouldn't. Well, Skeens is Skeens is capable of pitching in the big leagues right now. He's yeah. not going to, rightfully so. If you're the Pirates, he shouldn't. But if you gave me Paul Skeens, Justin Verlander, rest of their career, Skeens. Oh, Skeens, not even close. Skeens. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But now, this year. As it relates to this year, Verlander. because that is the most pressing issue if that I, they're yeah. focused on. If I, well, I, don't know, I don't know how he phrased the question, but. If we're going to answer the future schemes, if you went only 2023, I think it's Verlander. 
Like yeah, some just weird for this world, year, it definitely is with year. experience yeah. and again fitting right into the clubhouse and becoming your top of the rotation guy. Been there, done that for sure. Skeens is gross. All right, I was out at uh, Texans training. You want to talk about today. the trade first? Oh yeah, I forgot about that irrelevant trade. It's not already. irrelevant. He told me about it during the break. I already forgot about I it. How irrelevant about it. Uh, it is. Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly have been traded to the Dodgers. Oh, good. Super Joe. Goes is that back official? To the Dodgers. That's for Rosenthal. Oh, okay, so it's official. Um, it says close. He said close to an agreement. Whatever, man. You know in the next 10 minutes he's going to say it's a deal. Okay. I just I, I didn't see Rosenthal. I saw Joel Sherman said that other teams were still in on it. But I, I'll trust you. I'll trust you, bubble boy, Georgie. Uh, Lance, I wonder what the return is. Because if they get – if the White Sox got anything in return for Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly, it, it again is – well, it's also a tell of what the market is. Because if you got like a like a decent prospect for Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly, again, it is another clue of how celery this <laughs> how the celery mar- the seller market is. Look, I was, I, when you said that, I was like, "Where is he going with this?" And then <laughs> celery, I understand. That was my bad. I didn't really come out the way that I had intended it. So to. now since we haven't played the Dodgers yet th- this season here, Joe Kelly gets to come here again. Does do the Astros host the Dodgers this year? I don't know. I think. We get a chance. I think the Dodgers still come here, but maybe because you rotate years oh, with, that's the, right. with the National League teams. Like if you if like like the Cubs, the Cubs came here this year. The Astros will go to the Cubs next year. So I don't okay. I don't yes, remember. I guess not. Didn't they play at Dodger Stadium? They already? did. We've yeah. already played in in L A. Yeah, they don't yeah. play. They don't play again. So next year, if Joe Kelly's still with the Dodgers, so they make a trade. Dodgers made a trade. Lance Lynn, Joe Kelly going to the Dodgers. I don't know yet what's going to return to the White Sox. I was out at Texans training camp today. A, a lot of uh, a lot of takes here. A lot of random observations. Today was the hottest of the three days. By the way, today was day three. It was hot. Not competition one. Um, how were the fans? Because that was a big deal. First day of the fans. Yeah. Glad you brought that up because I did not make my notes for oh, whatever reason. Okay. Uh, they were fine. I mean, they they cheer whenever you know a punt returner tries to catch a punt behind his back, or one of the guys that we talked about previously that makes the hell of a catch for the catch of the day. That yeah. probably isn't going to. I mean, make they were them. good. It was good. It was cool to see crowd. You have a little bit of buzz in the training facility. One thing that does annoy me though. As like, hey, this is not a shooting period of practice. You know how that works. Yeah. Like, hey, you can shoot them stretching and you know tossing the ball around, but anything that we're doing eleven on eleven, you can't you right. can't post. You can't have video of. There's fans there that are posting video of it, but you're going to take it away from the media. Have like, them tag you. That isn't. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> Just have them tag you at Jeremy Branham. Thumbs you up. Have, and you then have, you can retweet it. You have five thousand fans there that are all shooting this non-shooting portion of practice, but the fifty media members can't. Make sense of that for me. It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, planned day off for a f- for a couple of guys. I think I was the. Fr- I think I scooped everybody on this too. By the way, I think I was the first person that tweeted this. Uh, planned off day for Jimmy Ward and John Mechie. So look, whatever. Planned off day, day three, whatever. Jimmy Ward, a veteran. John Mechie hasn't played a ton of football the last couple of years. Whatever. I'm not. I don't have hot takes about it. Uh, Laramie Tunsil practice you today. Scooped everybody on that one. The Tunsil thing? Yeah. yeah, I know. I don't think anybody else has even mentioned no. it. I mean, where was that on the uh, 11, uh, whatever the hell we yeah. used to call it? I mean, talk the, about yeah. put your big boy pants on and get well, something they're scared. out there. They're scared. They don't want to lose their credentials. I If they if I lost my credentials, they'd be doing me a favor at more time at home. Uh, Laramie Tunsil <laughs> practiced today, which I'm not a fan of, if I'm being completely honest. Like It was a very, very minor tweak, went back in, but we saw what happened with Joe Burrow yesterday. I don't want my highest paid offensive lineman. You know, even hobbling around on a slightly, slightly, very, very minorly tweaked ankle. Like it's just, what are you doing? Risk reward at this point in the in, the, in training camp. There is no reason to risk 
any of your starting players, but specifically your best players. If they have an off day tomorrow, then I think they're in pads on uh, Sunday. If Laramie Tunsil has like some ankle sprain because he has a weak ankle right now, I'm going to be livid. I'm going to I'm going to give them all sorts of grief. But if he's healthy, they're right to absolutely. Uh, Davis Mills was bad. Which spoiler alert? Davis Mills being bad. He's, Balls in double coverage. Missed it on a lot of easy throws. Davis Mills is a bad quarterback. Uh, but he was better than C.J. Stroud today. And, and he's talking about the fact that, you know, there's competition. There is. 22. And well, I mean, he he was, fully expects he is in the mix on that. I mean, I can't blame him for that. Like, I understand, like, mocking him is fun, and we all do that. But he was better than C.J. Stroud today. But rightfully mocking C.J. him. C.J. Stroud did of, not have a good day. Okay, and that's that's important. Did I not mean, have a good but day. But from the standpoint of, of Davis Mills, We've already seen him throw enough to realize that there's reason to mock him. Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, Stroud was missing everything up today through a pick, a bad pick, but he was missing everything very, very high. You can tell that he's thinking a lot too. Like it's not coming, na- and it, it shouldn't. This is day three of, of process, this right? is day three of a rookie quarterback in the NFL. For for the record, it should not be coming natural to him. Uh, but you can tell that he's kind of learning a lot. Like you can tell that he's trying to make the game slower, and it will come to him. Like he he makes some good throws. You know that he's like a good quarterback. But right now he's doing a lot of thinking, a lot of patting of the football. Like kind of like the the decisiveness isn't sharp, isn't crisp. Uh, you'll see like a play every now and then where it is, like a little, quick little check down, reads the defense well. But you can tell he's doing a lot of thinking right now, which you know it's a rookie. He's gonna he's gonna have some growing pains. John Grenard ate Titus Howard lunch a couple times, which I don't really want to focus on Titus Howard part of this because we talked a lot about Titus Howard the other day. I'm very intrigued by John Grenard, though. Not that I'm selling, like buying his stock this year, but if John Grenard can be a really good number two pass rusher opposite of Will Anderson, that's a huge boost for the Texans, not only this year, but also going forward. And look, Jerry Hughes did a lot more than you expected him to do a year ago, but if Jerry Hughes is more of your situational every now and then type guy, he maybe has enough in the tank to do that. But the bigger thing is we saw too much from John Grenard two years ago to have to endure what we saw of John Grenard a year ago. And if you don't even want to meet somewhere in the middle. You want to believe that, hey, everybody has somewhat of an off year every now and then, and sometimes sophomore slumps and other things happen. But if John Grenard can be more like he was two years ago, just to compliment Will Anderson and other guys on this defense, the defense and D'Amico Ryans are, I don't want to say incredibly better, but there's a, that's a huge jump that could be taken from the pass rush perspective because their pass rush was very, very below average a year ago. Yeah, if they, if, if Grenard can lock up your pass rusher number two, and like this is even this is like kind of long term thinking. It's more like three years, this three year window versus just next year alone. But that would be massive. I'm very intrigued to see what Grenard does uh, this year. Three days of training camp. If you're grading this like boxing, scoring ten nine rounds, things like that, the defense leads the offense three days through camp, thirty to twenty seven. They've won every single day. Um, yes, the first day defense by a mile. Yesterday was pretty close, but still the edge defense. I thought the offense regressed today. Defense by a mile again today. Uh, there could there could have even been a ten eight round the first day. You think there's a little bit of like, I don't want to say they're a little leery, I mean, a little worn out after the first three I, days in the heat. I think they're probably looking forward to the off day tomorrow, if I'm being completely mm-hmm. honest. Now, the defense is just, they're, they're more experienced. Like, outside well, we of the offensive line. And you're also talking yeah. about, you know, uh, first year and a second year quarterback at the most important position, whereas you've got guys that are getting more comfortable getting into their positions on the defensive side of the football with a defensive-minded head coach, more modern day calling plays yep. and guys that he's familiar with, like Jimmy Ward, who didn't practice today, but you know, other guys that, you know, understand. And then adding like a Sheldon Rankins in the interior defensive line too. You're adding pieces that solidify things 
so that you can stop the run and allow your defense to pin their ears back. Haven't seen him yet, though, because he's on that pup list. Maybe they'll get I'm him back saying, soon. For the yeah, regular season. Sure. Uh, the offensive depth chart stuff, Kenyon Green was running with the ones again, which is good. I think they were just holding him back day one. Better chance that Kenyon Green starts at left guard than Drew Scruggs at center, like by far. It also seems like they like Eric Tomlinson more than Brevin Jordan at tight end, which is not a good sign for Brevin Jordan because they signed Eric Tomlinson this week. Uh, they also made a uh, – they signed somebody today. They signed George Fant, who has been oh, a, a lineman, you know, tackle. tackle specifically for Seattle most recently with the Jets. I tested. I texted Jake earlier. I said, does George Fant suck? He said he's, he said he's above average whenever he's healthy. They gave him a significant amount of money, though, $4 million for a year. Like, I think he's their swing tackle. Mm-hmm. He's their backup left tackle, right tackle. One thing that I would I hope does not happen is that if you have an, an injury or a lack of production on the interior offensive line, I am really hoping they don't move Titus Howard no, to one of those spots and use Fant right. at right tackle. Fant is your guy. I was just going to say, Fant is your new Titus Howard because yeah. now that Titus Howard is locked up and you've over you overcompensated him, and he's going to be on your offensive line, then do what he probably has said privately in the negotiations. Stop moving around. Let him play a position so. where he can get better. Now, Fan, I think it's just a swing tackle. I don't think you're going to see him on the interior offensive line. But I don't want like so, I don't want Kenyon. I don't want Kenyon Green to not be ready or hurt. And then they're like, okay, we're going to use Titus Howard because he's versatile at left guard. Because Noah Fan's our be- our best backup offensive lineman. Like even if even if that's the case. I don't want to be moving Titus Howard around. We watch, saw that last year. Did you focus in on Kenyon Green at all? Yeah, I did. And I mean, you don't see they were not they're not in pads yet, right. so like you don't see a, a great deal of like. You but know, coming off a, a, a procedure, he, he still, looks. He's, well, he looked a little pudgy to me still. Like I mean, it's not going to go away right. in, in a day. But he was coming off the surgery. They've been they've given him a lot of credit for making it back for training camp. So I think it's fair for us to give him two to three weeks sure. to see how he's looking then because he is coming off. You know the minor off-season knee surgery, so uh, I, I think it's critical, too critical to like be grading his body. And I know I've done it uh, the first couple of weeks. Let's see, like how he does these next few weeks, getting into game shape. But it looks like they are committed to him as their number and one then, left and then guard. Juice Scruggs is, is Scruggs he's the guy? Not, he's running with the twos. And is again, Quesenberry. Quesenberry. If the season were to start today, Quesenberry's your starting center. Okay. And I'm not sure it's close. I think, that, I think the juice with the, how they're getting in and reps and stuff isn't great. Uh, and then the specialists take the, the extra point here real quick. They're so lonely. I feel bad for them. Cam Johnston and Kaimi Fairbairn on the far practice field, far away from any. They're all alone with their coach. There's like three of them. I feel bad for specialists. They're so lonely out there. All right, that does it for extra points. What Branham learned at camp. Who said it? Everybody's favorite game. ESPN 97.5 personalities and producers, apparently. The non-talent uh, getting on the who said it today. Uh, Joe's going to read to us quotes. We'll guess who said it. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. It's now time for the mega producer Joe George to do what he does best, and that's stumping. No one can stump the best stumper in Stumpville, and that's Stumpy Joe. Stumpy Joe. What happened to Stumpy Joe? The official explanation was he choked on vomit. Today, Stumpy Joe will try to stump the killer bees with who said it. Let the stumping begin. Let's get stumped. Who said it? That's right. Spence. Spence, getting a little, Spence singing a little bit. I like that. Uh, so who said it this week? Joe is, on for the first time ever, uh, incorporating producers into who said it. And I think he has valid reason this week. Why? Uh, so we, what, we had a skip last week. What do you? Oh, did y'all really? Yeah, we had. We had. Man, leaves and everything. No, I gave, well, to, I gave him yeah. the opportunity to do it because it was he was really kind of his hands were tied. Like by at all one the point we had fill-ins. We had Damn. five hosts out. And then Patrick was filling in for you, and he's one of my go-tos. 
So it just knocked off another person I couldn't use. You would have been funny if you used Patrick and he wouldn't have been able to name himself. I really thought about that it. That would have been hilarious. I almost, I, my original bit was going to be do five Patricks <laughs> and see how many he got himself. I'm disappointed you didn't do that. All right, so what, are the, what do we need to know? What do we need to yeah, know? What are who the said prerequisites this for this alter I'm gonna, version? I, I'm including not Mapes and Dell. So producers are included, but not and, Sean and not and Dale? Andrew is replacing Stutz's roster spot that's it. of choices. Yeah. Oh, that's it. Okay. Yeah. So AC. Mapes is, a, Mapes is only an option for number five. Yeah, for the, the duo. For the oh, duo. Okay. All right. So normal. So the only thing that changed here is AC's included. Yeah, AC's included. And is this one to be hosted or produced? Um, It could be either. Nice I, I like, I, yeah, I like what you're trying to do. <laughs> well, you almost tried. got me. I tried. Yeah, I tried. You're a bit hard, Joe. <laughs> Number one, here, let's, let's get right into it. Number one, Cody gone, RJ gone, Dell's back. What? I don't have any takes on this yet. That sounds like a morning thing, maybe, or a poly thing because he's been out. He was on vacation, and he comes back, and all these changes have occurred. All right, say it one more time. Cody gone, RJ gone, Dell's back. What? I don't have any takes on this yet. I don't know. I'm gonna. I like. I like where your mind's at. I like where my mind's at. You're like you, that. You don't know. I don't think the Will House would bring them up. Maybe not. They have been. Have they? Yeah. Okay. Um, no, I, I think it's either Paul or the Morning Show. Anybody on the Morning Show been out recently, or a reason why they just? I think they're all of... back this week, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, like, they didn't miss it. What I'm saying is, were they out to miss, like, the Cody news and or... Well, it happened after their show on Friday. I'm not well, trying could, to... Why couldn't they have said this Monday? It just sounds to me like someone that was out for a while all of a sudden is like... Or maybe it isn't. Maybe it's just an observation. They're lumping it all together. Like, all these changes are happening here. Dell was back this week for the first time? Yeah, his first okay. day as producer was... No, I know he was, like, filling in, yeah. doing hosting stuff. But Okay, so... You think it's Paul? I do. All right. I don't have... I'm not, I don't have a strong take on this like the person who said this so we'll go we'll go with paul gallant cody gone at a baby look at that rj yeah. gone dell's back what, what? Do do? the way the way that joe read it versus the way that paul said it it's impossible it's night and day i'd have to get josh beard in here to do it because like he's <laughs> the only one that can do a reasonable paul all right number two when i actually wear socks they're very thin socks so they're not going to end up all that wet. I don't think that is scientifically correct. <laughs> I think it's, I think the volume of it might be less, but I think that the sock is going to be just as saturated. Um, so now I'm trying to think about people's sock game. I wear thin socks. I'm not going to lie. I wear the, the, the thin uh, no-show. Yeah, we both wear them. So yeah. who, who dresses good like us? Not PC. Jake wears like those mid calf socks, like kind of like Jake Greg Maddox. So like I don't, I think Jake wears thick socks. I'll take him out of the mix here. I think I think BK's probably in the mix. Beaky, I think Paul's probably in the mix here. How about Lance and John? Paul doesn't Paul see again now? Now would he take his would he take his PC philosophy of a week ago and try and translate that to this week with Paul? Because Paul doesn't wear socks hardly at all. Paul's always wearing like really super comfortable shoes. Say it one more time, or maybe more than once, but. One more time right now. When I actually wear socks, they're very thin socks, so they're not going to be all that wet. When I actually wear socks. That's what I'm saying. That's what I caught. Now, does that factor in? Like, would you, would you go back-to-back, Paul? Absolutely, you would. 
<laughs> well, he just nodded his head yes, though. Is he playing poker? Is he trying to bluff? He just threw a wrench into the equation. All right, throw another wrench. Let's go back to the fact that he was thinking about using his go-to. And you know that he was scrambling today. His go-to is crazy. Well, I wasn't scrambling. Oh, yes, you were. No, I flat had timestamps. I just had you to flat find out, them. Yeah, you did. He's right. You told us. You didn't have anything going into the show. I knew it. I knew what timestamps I was going for. Things. Close enough. PC, I don't, I don't PC likes to wear those Jerusalem cruisers a lot. <laughs> I have no idea. I'm going to go with whatever you're here. I love that name. Yeah, he likes those. He, he, he likes those, like, lots of buckle-strappy sandals. Well, we knew what you meant. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, you know, for the listener's sake, not just you and I, Joe. That's what I'm saying. I think they knew what you okay. meant. What are you going with? I don't, I'm, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. You don't have a choice between, you, you don't have, like, a, a feeling between the two of them? Between which two? Would he go back to Paul? See, I would, I would think yes, but the way that he nodded his head like that makes me think that he wanted us to say Paul. So let's go PC. All right, Patrick Creighton. When I actually yeah. wear I read them like a book. Boom, boom. I read them like a book. Ownership has its privileges, Stumpy. I read them like a book. All right, number three. <laughs> He's not happy right My now. favorite one. I love he this one. He tipped his hand. I did. All right, number three. This is my favorite of the week. <clears throat> it's very short. It's only like five words. Brad Kellner, a.k.a. Douche LaRouche. That's, wow. that's the bench. That's the bench. <laughs> That's the bench in a heartbeat. I don't know which one yet, but that is that is absolutely the bench. Oh, was it somebody? It was probably based on the first pitch. Could it have been this morning? No. Oh, I did not catch that. That's a great call. I thought this might have been because they were on Chump of the Week. Mm. But the errant throw, which he the did on purpose. The throw should be on Chump of the Week. Should've. The throw should win it on Chump if of the he's, Week. If he's... If he, you're probably right. You're probably right. Um... That's a great call. Now, who said it? Was it Lance or was it John? See, I'm saying it's between those two guys. Now, can, I know. Can you read it again? I know the disdain John Please. has for one of the guys on the show. Read it one more time. Sure, of course. <laughs> uh, Brad Kellner, a.k.a. Douche LaRouche. I'm sorry, I didn't catch it. Can you read uh, that again? Yeah, of course. I'll, I'll do it one more time. Uh, please stop laughing, Joel. This is a serious matter. Sorry, Beaky. Brad Kellner, a.k.a. Douche LaRouche. I think I got it that time. I might need you to say it again later, but I think I got it that time. Johnny G? <laughs> I mean, it seems like something he would say. I could see either one side. I, I really could too, but, but your I first guess, Johnny? The two was Johnny. All right, Granado. Brad Kellner, a.k.a. Douche LaRouche. What a curveball. Pardon the pun. I did not think that Jake had that in his arsenal. Well played, Jake. On his own show. Yeah, I, I, I that would be an easy one for me because Granada likes Do you want the truth he, now? Was what? it a text? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's cheating. That's cheating. That's not the original oh, work. Wait. Oh, that is BS. He was reading someone's text yeah. from John. That's Bush. Oh, from oh, John. Oh, that's yeah. BS. Double we BS. got it right. We should get that right. We got it right. That's right. We, we got it that. right. We I'm get calling. it right. I'm throwing the red challenge flag. No, no, no. no. John, yeah, 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 it was yeah. John who said it. Yeah, no, the he didn't say it. It's not who texted it. It's who said it. It's whose original piece no. is in their yeah. mind. No, who, no, no, no. Who originated the content? Yeah, that came from John's heart. <laughs> <laughs> we got We would have been three for three. That's BS, man. 
<laughs> it came from John's No John wonder Hart. why that was your favorite that one count, of the we're, week. We're counting it. Yeah, three, we three should for three. count that one. That's fine. I'll give you guys the win this week. <laughs> I can't believe that he read that from a John Granato text. <laughs> That's so good. I was like. He texted it that. Was, it was about the first pitch. <laughs> And how it should be, it should dethrone John as chump of the week. I agree. I that's said so it, I didn't good. know so that like, it came up there. That's the whole, co- you guys got the entire context literally <laughs> correct, but it was just Jake reading a text from Granado. Granado's thought. We're three right. for three. Number four. You ever, you know, oh, I oh, wrote this easy wrong. Easy rap star. I wrote this you wrong. You wrote this wrong. <laughs> I'm like reading it. I can tell like I read it. I wrote it at the beginning incorrectly. Cool. Verstappen got a five place grid penalty. All right, carry on. Um, you know, you ever open the pantry and you just put something in your mouth you probably shouldn't? That sounds like a beaky one. <laughs> so funny. I think it's a beaky one. I don't. I don't. I don't know for sure. I didn't hear this, but it just sounds like something he would say, right? Maybe. Do you have? I don't. Th- I don't think. The, I don't think the morning show. Right, I re-listened to it. You know, every once in a while, you open up the pantry and you put something in your mouth. You probably shouldn't. Either Lance or Beaky. So I'm going to go with either Lance or Beaky. I think it's either Beaky or Paul again because they're single guys. Does Paul go to his pantry, though? Where does he go? I don't know. Paul does, cook, Paul does cook a lot for himself. But Paul doesn't eat, like, snacks. That's kind of my point. Like, Paul's a very clean, healthy eater. Like, this is somebody who has a bad diet. So, like, I would be included, but I can't. So I think it's either Lance or, uh, or Beaky. Yeah, who else could it be, right? I think it's somebody with a poor diet. Patrick? Oh, maybe. Wasn't a, wasn't a shot. I don't know why you aren't laughing. Just saying three guys who don't eat clean and healthy. Wait a minute, it wasn't a shot. It, just bam, just like that. It was an unintentional shot. It's quick. I, I, I can, mean, Patrick. I can see why you would think it was yeah. a shot, but it's not. Of our lineup, those are three guys. I'm, I'm included in this, but I can't be an answer. That would go to the, to the pantry the most often to eat on snacks. Yeah, I'll go, I, I, I'll go BK. You want Beaky? Yeah. All right, Beaky. You know, every once in a while you open oh, up the pantry and you put something Andrew. in your mouth that you probably Wait, of all guys that wouldn't put yeah. something in their mouth out of the pantry? I'll be honest. I forgot that he was in the pool, but I wouldn't have guessed him anyway, Me so I'm not going to be because mad. because that's the guy that's super health conscious. Yeah, what is he putting in his mouth from the pantry? Like, yeah, does he what, store his the broccoli there? there? Does he like dehydrated cauliflower? Oh, so happy he got that one. Well, well, give me the context now because that's not like Andrew. I actually have no idea. Protein powder? Yeah. What does he have in the pantry that he puts in a his mouth that doesn't bar. taste like? Yeah, what a, I mean, a flavor, an unknown flavor of a protein turkey bar. jerky. Wait, what's this? A strawberry blueberry nut bar? I'll throw that in my mouth. Wheaties. All right, last one. My Barbie review on the other side. Oh, did you see it? Heard it's really good. Did a male say that? No, I got a different opinion. John and Lance the bench this morning. They saw it. They went into a long diatribe about the Barbie movie. Okay, so it sounds like we're going to get this one right, but did they watch it? I think Granada went, I think. Wow, that's interesting. You you have girls. Are you going to go watch it? They're in vacation, so hopefully not. Hopefully they watch it while they're I on don't vacation. Have any interest it's not, in going supposedly to it's not for like girls that age. Oh, really good. Because otherwise Lisa could have taken it. Actually, I'm not going to say what I was going to say. All right, so I'll, yeah, the bench. John and Lance. My Barbie review. Had a baby. We killed, oh, we killed it. Your ass. We killed it. We killed it. We killed it. Thumped yeah. you, man. What did you say? Thumped you. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't sound like that. Too bad. Yeah, that's why it was said like that. <laughs> oh, Joe Burrow went down. What are the Bengals doing here? Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5.
Welcome back to the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5. Killer Bees are also known as Africanized Bees. And we all know there's nothing Africanized about these two guys. It's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. 3%. Uh, caller number 10 right now, 713-780-3776, wins four tickets to the granddaddy of all hunting shows, August 4th through 6th at NRG Center. Scope out hunting seminars, all of the latest hunting equipment on hand, ATVs and for the little hunters, games, snakes, live alligators, and much, much more. Fun for the entire family at the original Texas hunting show, the 47th annual Hunter's Extravaganza. For details, go to huntersextravaganza.com. Caller 10, 713-780-3776. Four tickets to the granddaddy of all the hunting shows is yours, the 47th annual Hunter's Extravaganza. Uh, Blankers, yes. did you see this Joe Burrow uh, yeah. injury yesterday? There was a lot of fear. I mean, non-contact injury, scrambling around the pocket that, who knows, is this, a, especially reaching for the calf, is this an Achilles tear? Now, reports are, you know, Zach Taylor said it was a calf strain. Um, Jamar Chase said that Joe Burrow gave him the thumbs up and everything's going to be okay. The takeaway that I had, though, Blankers, was Zach Taylor said that he was wearing a compression sleeve because he had calf soreness from the day before. Why in the world, early in training camp, in practice at all, as a matter of fact, and it's probably minor. I I would concede that it was probably very, very minor for Joe Burrow. But if your star, somebody that you're depending on for your you know contendership as a Super Bowl contender in the NFL, if he's sore during training camp to the point where he has to wear a compression sleeve, why is he doing anything live? Why is he doing anything at 100% well, speed? So I'll answer it for you from the context. From Zach Taylor's point of view? No, I'll answer it from, well, maybe. If you're Zach Taylor... You have to be the louder voice in the room because I think you're probably feeling pressure. If there's a reason why you're saying, why did this happen? It's probably because Burrow was adamant in saying, it feels good and I need to be out there. I want to be out there. I want to get these reps right now. For whatever the reason, if Joe Burrow pushed it and was like, I want to be out there, now it it puts the coach in a, in a more precarious position. But you're right. You got to be the you got to be the louder voice and the stronger voice in the room to say I know you want to be out there, but I want you out there when the season starts and when we get going for real. That's why you're not going to be out there, and you might run the risk of pissing them off for a day or two. But this, this is exactly why we talked about it previously with Tunsil and others. This is not the time to be getting extra reps and letting guys go out there if they're dinged up a little bit. This is the time to be hyper cautious. This was stupid. Like you could have cost you your your entire season could have gone down the toilet in mid July, late July, yep. because of a decision like this. And look, I'm not saying to hold Joe Burrow out of practice completely. And I understand the logic of well, we got to get ready for the season. Like we got to get we got to get going. Even though Joe Burrow is working with Taylor and they've been together for a while, there's new players on that team that you you need to click on all cylinders. You want to be ready for the start of the season. I get that. I respect that opinion. I respect Joe Burrow going through walkthrough against air where you're going at 50-60% speed. But if your star quarterback on a team where you are a Super Bowl contender has to wear a compression sleeve because he has a because he has soreness in his calf, you cannot have him running no. 100% full speed 11 on 11. Like if if that was more severe and they dodged a bullet here, well, we don't know the grade of the strain. Maybe it's a, you know, a terrible grade 3 4 strain he's out 4 to 6 weeks. Yeah. Uh Maybe maybe they will completely dodge a bullet. He doesn't miss any sort of games or what significant practices, whatever. 
But rolling the dice early in training camp, especially with a like a veteran-ish quarterback on a team that was a play away from going to the Super Bowl last year, I question the intelligence of whoever is making that decision in Cincinnati. It's one thing when you see the Saints lost Trey Turner for the year today. You talk about Jalen Ramsey going down with meniscus in his knee the day before. Mm-hmm. Those are guys well, that earlier are, in the day. are really good players. It was both yesterday. Right. Okay, they're really good players. They're not your starting quarterback and the star of your entire team and the most important position on the field. But even still, when you're talking about any player at this point in the season, can you win a Super Bowl in July? No, but you can sure damn well lose one. Yep. And that's how the Bengals would have lost a chance at a Super Bowl because no one that replaces Joe Burrow is Joe Burrow. And the fact that he is out there when he doesn't have to be is on you. And that's a massive mistake for, for Taylor and for whoever was involved in that decision, training staff and otherwise. If anybody had an inkling, yeah, you're right. And the first indicator is if he's wearing a sleeve, he's sitting on the bench in tennis shoes. Yeah, I'm not trying to put bubble wrap on every single star player like I want to do with Jordan Alvarez. Like, if you're healthy, go play. But if you have something that's bothering you where you have to wear an accessory, like you can't be going 100% 11 on 11, especially with a guy who's like really, really good. Like he has clout. Like he has cachet in Cincinnati. Do you think Joe Burrow needs to be running 11 on 11 on July 27th with a sore calf? He doesn't need to be a hero or a gamer on July 27th. You need him for the 17 games that you play in the regular season. Yeah. So any any star in the NFL that has a knock, that has an element in training camp should not be on the field. Shouldn't be. It's one thing if you say it was DK Metcalf or your best receiver. Or he doesn't have any soreness. Right. He's just healthy. Right. It just happens out of the blue. Even still, you're nursing along, and there's a reason why most of the top quarterbacks, but most of the top players in the league, don't practice real hard during training camp and don't have to, and the team doesn't really worry about it. And look, and I speak from experience from watching Rodgers completely basically sit out the entire preseason for almost every year he was a Packer once he was established. Mm-hmm. And that was, yeah, you're going to take the he's going to take his lumps and they're going to look pretty bad in week 1 or week 2, but he's damn well going to be ready for the rest of the season and more times than not in his career with the Packers, it worked out great and late in the season when they needed him, he was fantastic. So, if you're talking about a quarterback and how high of a tier that is over any other of your star players, no matter what position they play because of the way the sport's played, you damn well got to be bordering on everything hyper-cautious when it comes to him in particular. Uh-huh. If he's already wearing a sleeve, if I'm the coach, especially if I wasn't aware of it or that's kind of the card he plays, well, the minute you come out for stretching, you go, what's that? Okay, well, let's just put Joe right. on, give him a baseball cap and, and, and put him on the side. And if he's not being advised on injuries by the training staff, that's an even bigger problem. Like, I, I would imagine he was advised on the injury. Um, but that's the thing. Like, I heard Zach Taylor talking after the injury when he got carted off and the videos went viral. He's like, oh, yeah, he already had calf soreness. What? That's, he already had calf soreness? Like, the uh, the Jalen Ramsey injury. Like, you can't avoid that. Like, injuries are going to happen in training camp. It's just going to happen. I don't I don't blame the Dolphins for having Jalen Ramsey uh, going through drills against Tyree Kill. Like, he's 100%. He should be out there getting ready for the season, getting conditioned for the season. Like, I, I don't blame the Jalen Ramsey thing on the Dolphins whatsoever. That's a fluke injury. That's going to happen. But your star quarterback has a pre-existing calf soreness, and you're having him go full drill, 100%, 11 on 11? That's stupid. Yeah, it's that's absolutely, real it's, you're stupid. You're right. That's the, that's the easiest way to solidify it. Absolutely asinine, completely stupid, and don't ever do it again. Because you're, if you're a Bengals fan, if you're if you're the owner of the Bengals, if you're anybody in the Bengals organization, this is one that is almost a fireable offense. If you lose the chance to compete for a Super Bowl in July, 
because you decided it was a good idea to let your quarterback go out there with already a pre-existing uncomfortable feeling on a body part Mm -hmm. and it becomes a season ender, that's on you. I would have talked about this for three hours if it was Houston today. I would be calling for Zach Taylor's head. Maybe not that far. Uh, 713-780-ESP at HRP listener line. Trade deadline a few days away. What's one reason for optimism with this team and one reason for pessimism with this team? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.